Um, and we've actually we're actually live ready. So, because I never know how to do an intro. <laughs> okay, sure, man. That's fine. We do very casual as well. So, okay. yeah. So I mean, uh, I think immediately we can just start it off. Uh, I know we've spoken a while back. Um, thing last week or one half weeks ago. Uh, yeah. You were just sharing your uh, your your career and your journey, right? Um, mm. Perhaps you can just share with us again. Um, your your career so far. Sure, man. Um, well, perhaps I would go even further and share my life story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I used to be a gamer when I was young. Um, I used to play Dota, Counter Strike, uh, Maple Story. I think some of these uh, games will be familiar to those our generation lah. Um, well, back then we never called it esports, right? It was just games. It was just video games. Um, and that was when I was in school, and uh, it continued on. Um, but all the way up until law school, it slowly tapered off. And then esports was no longer on my mind. Just getting through law school <laughs> became became the focus. Um, and then it continued uh, up till the three years of my practice so far. Um, I passed the bar, practiced, and esports was complete on my mind. But I always knew that I I had this fascination with esports, uh, and it has always been my my love of my life lah, from the start. And then COVID happened, right? In Singapore, we had the circuit breaker, uh, which for a lot of the legal practitioners out there was like a two month break, because um, everything got postponed while we adjusted to the new normal. Um, and then I went back into esports. I started playing games like CS:GO, um, Civilization VI, other FPS games. Um, I work as a so I volunteer as a grassroots leader, uh, where I help um, the the marginalized and the less fortunate within my community. Uh, and I organize an esports tournament for for the youth, because uh, we couldn't organize a physical session. So an esports tournament was the best that we could do. Um, and then slowly, my specialty began to inch towards esports. Um, clients um, from the esports industry came to me, uh, also because I, I knew them and I also had familiarity with both the law as well as the esports industry. Uh, and slowly, I, be, I began to, you know, create a niche for myself. And further to that, I'm also uh, promoting esports for the legal fraternity. Esports, uh, or, or rather sports, has always been a mainstay of the legal fraternity for both Singapore and Malaysia. Uh, but esports, not so, not at this point. Uh, so it's my goal to really uh, push for esports uh, within the fraternity because I know that there are a lot of closet gamers uh, within our ranks. Yeah. So essentially, that's my life story, Joseph. Yeah, dude, that's a lot to dissect right there, actually. <laughs> Um, as you as you just sharing your story of like how you grew up with the games and all uh, Dota yeah. and all these things, right? I can completely resonate because I play this absolutely same games as you. Uh, maybe slight, maybe slightly more also because I also I think I played Gunbound and O2 Jam. Not sure whether you know. Mm. So those are like uh, when we when when I was like 13 or 14 years old, right? That's that's exactly. the games. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then exactly the same route as you. As I grow older, also um, there weren't any esports, right? So and then uh, focusing on my uh, uh, my my um, uni, uh, my law degree as well. So got off gaming for a while. After coming back to uh, practice law, then I got a bit more time to play games. So somehow found time lah. So so it's a very uh, I I completely resonate lah in terms of your story. Um, yeah. 
yeah, maybe maybe you can share with us a bit, a bit about that the 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 volunteering program that you did. So so you mentioned that you organized the tournaments for the youth, right? So what is it about? Um, who um how do you manage to organize it? When would when do you guys organize it and all these things? Sure, man. So um as background, I volunteer with the yellow ribbon. Uh, not sure if it's the same in Malaysia. Uh, in Singapore, Yellow Ribbon stands for an initiative to uh, reintegrate, rehabilitate, uh, and help ex-offenders and their families. Um, essentially, um, as a volunteer, I help them uh, and their families financially uh, in terms of moral support. And I also look to uh, engage the youths so that they do not fall into a spiral of uh, bad habits, bad influence, and crime. The eSports tournament, as you can imagine, was targeted towards the later group, which is the youths. Um, we thought that they had nothing to do. Uh, in Singapore, all of the physical activities were closed. School were closed. And um, they couldn't go to any, any anywhere to play sports whatsoever. And we thought that this would be a good way to reach out to them, um, as well as spread our, our messages of anti-crime. Uh, what we did was uh, we looked at all the games that the youths are playing and we realized that, hey, MLBB, uh, Mobile Legends Bang Bang, was one of the games which was quite um, popular. So we decided, okay, we'll go with this. We'll create a tournament uh, for as many people as possible so that they can join, uh, which we did. But the one thing that set this tournament apart from any other tournament was that, uh, number one, we brought on board a lot of... Uh, uh, event partners whom we thought can spread anti-crime messages. Uh, we brought in uh, SANA, which is the Singapore Anti-Narcotics Association, uh, on which I also sit as a board member. And uh, they gave posters, they gave uh, videos for us to screen during the breaks so that when the youths are watching the broadcast, they can actually look at these anti-crime messages, anti-drug messages, and sort of uh, spread this uh, positive awareness of drugs right uh positive awareness of anti-drug abuse oh, yeah <laughs> i was just gonna correct you there yeah. <laughs> right um and 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 uh, we also got in the cnb which is the central narcotics bureau um they came in also with uh uh, uh anti-drug quiz so this was quite interesting because uh we also had a sponsor uh kfc came in they were very interested to help us because of the anti-crime message. Uh, and they said that, okay, for this great cause, we are willing to sponsor each participant um, a set meal uh, by the form of vouchers. So as long as you participated, no matter if you got last or first, you were guaranteed um, a set meal, not just for a team, but for each member of that team. So everyone's guaranteed a winner-winner chicken dinner, la, so to speak, right? And then um, the top two teams will get a larger chicken feast. And finally, beyond the beyond this tournament participants, right, you can have a lucky draw. Ten lucky winners will also get uh, each a, a set meal voucher. So we had uh, a quiz which uh, was was open for anyone, any members of public to participate in. And um, out of these uh, participants, we got ten winners who eventually got uh, their set meals. Lah. Uh, in order to, to participate for this quiz, you essentially had to answer questions about anti-drug abuse um, and anti-crime, uh, which we thought was a really good message as opposed to just flashing um, things on the screen. Uh, 
so this was in addition to to that law and uh yeah so i i thought this was quite i thought this was quite a good initiative we did because um it wasn't it wasn't the norm uh, I, i've not heard of any tournament which has incorporated incorporated this kind of features into into esports no what's i think what's what stands out for me is uh the games that you chose um so i mean firstly it's quite apt for kfc to come in uh mm. because it's like winner winner chicken dinner kind of thing right so yeah. you can eat your, you actually can have your uh, fried chicken uh but the games that you chose you mentioned what pubg mobile actually it was uh, just mlbb oh sorry, sorry sorry it was mlbb is it yeah. oh okay okay sorry sorry i got it wrong i thought yeah you no, no worries man no reason i but thought you said pubg mobile on hindsight, we wish that we had gone with PUBG because KFC came on board, right? Well, well, that then that that led that had led to my question. I thought it was PUBG Mobile. Then I was wondering, hey, is <laughs> not sure whether that's a that's a good game to play. You know, <laughs> it's all about guns and stuff. Uh, but but oh, if it's MLBB, then I suppose it's uh, a bit easier to get the green light, I guess, because it's like uh, fantasy kind of uh, thing. Was was that was that part of the conversation in like in terms of choosing the games? Actually, it was. Um, we went with the safer route because it was our first time organizing an esports tournament. But let, let me ask you for your sp- perspective because here's my personal perspective. Um, I don't think it matters actually. Um, I think it's become so normalized that um, I don't think people would be shying away from FPS games, yeah. Um, especially the ones that that may show a bit of uh, weaponry or blood because I think it's quite. Uh, the baseline that these are fictional games. Uh, what, what's your opinion on this, Joseph? Yeah, no, uh, I'm also completely in agreement with you. Um, even, in fact, last year when I attended one of the uh, esports uh, event that I was a uh, panel, um, someone also asked me that question on um, whether or not video games would actually um, increase or or, or um, tendency to commit crime uh, mm-hmm. because of the games right because of PUBG because of uh, CSGO especially right mm. uh, but but my stance has been that there is absolutely at least in my opinion no um, evidence or, or, or clear evidence to say to, to suggest even remotely suggest that video game uh, uh, would would create a tendency to uh, commit crime so that is my view, like even um. So I play um CS:GO, right? And I play CS 1.6 when mm. I was like what 10 years old, or 9 years old. Um, I don't see myself holding a gun and and going across and sh- and and uh, rob someone or shoot people, lah. Because mm. I know that that's confined to a video game. So that has been my stance, unless um there's any evidence to suggest otherwise that um there's actual causation. Mm. I don't, um, I don't agree to that sort of um, um, uh, uh, theory. Yeah. But yeah. having said that, um, with with big brands, they're coming on board the esports, right? They also are very careful in terms of the brand value, in terms of who they associate with. Hmm. So, um, so I I think that's why, um, even though there is no no correlation, uh, sorry, there is no causation, hmm. um, the brands would tend to not perhaps not put their money in in more um uh, bunny 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 ears um violent games lah. so sure they, sure they prob- they're probably more inclined to invest in um fantasy games maybe mlbb wild uh wild rift yeah league of legends all this yeah 
maybe not CSGO and all these things. Lah. But that's yeah. that's just my view. Uh, so so it's actually very interesting to see um, that, that conversation. And I'm sure that there were, how, how did that conversation go? Was it was it uh, was there any debate during the conversation when you guys were choosing your games? Not quite actually. Um, we thought that it it boiled down to either MLBB or um, PUBG Mobile, and between the two, neither of us uh, of the team members or the committee members really had a specific game that we really wanted to play. Uh, so it was quite an easy choice between Mobile Legends and PUBG. Um, besides, I think we were quite comfortable and confident of getting the maximum number of teams either way. So regardless, we would have achieved our objectives. So I see. It wasn't I, an issue for well, us. I find that very interesting also because like, um, so this yellow ribbon project that, that, uh, that, you, that you are involved in, they, they help youth to rebuild their lives, right? After serving prison sentence, correct? So, um, I, sp- I suppose consider them as like uh, that they have the tendency to commit certain crimes. Um, so that it's, actually, it's actually very interesting where um, you had considered PUBG. Um, where uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because like uh, if, if it was me, then I would consider oh, PUBG is a bit more violent. <clears throat> For these people, would, wouldn't you think so? Well, to be clear, uh, the youth that we help does not necessarily mean that they are the youth ex-offenders. Uh, okay. They could be the children okay. of the ex-offenders, yeah. Oh, okay, um, okay. Mm, second of all, I think the ex-offenders that we help, uh, they come from a variety of backgrounds uh, and they may have committed of a, you know, a widespread of uh, different crimes uh, based on each person. Lah. So not all of them would have uh, violent um, crimes history and I would certainly say that um, most if not all of them don't have violent tendencies lah. therefore I think between PUBG and MLBB I think it was just a very practical decision that we didn't really think twice lah. so yeah 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 well well, that's great I'm and I hope that um, uh, it continues I suppose because mm. um, I suppose um, even through um, some form of research, it shows that more people or more kids, they are spending time on social media, they're spending time on their phone, um, as opposed to going out. Um, in I believe in the US, there's a report which suggests that uh, 20 years ago, probably their ambition is to be uh, an architect or a scientist. But today, the, the kids today, the, their ambition is to, is, is to grow up to be a YouTube content creator and mm. uh, <laughs> and gamer and all these things, you know. So, yeah. so I suppose we have to follow with the times on what the kids are spending their time on, uh, which, which uh, and I do advocate that, you know, gaming, healthy gaming is, it's, it's, uh, it's good for the kids as well, but of course with some form of balance. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so let's move on to talk about uh, to talk about your next uh, next thing that you you spoke about, which is to advocate the esports in your uh, law society, correct? So how how did that conversation go come about? How um how and any sort of uh, progress there? And what do you think? Uh, whether or not you think that we can actually have uh, uh sort of like um, uh, a, a law law esports games or something like that. Yeah, I think that's the dream, right? Um, I have I have been following the the sports scene um, by 
our law societies quite closely um, because I also watch sports, right? And uh, I noticed that there's this strong camaraderie for the different kinds of sports like football, volleyball, um, badminton. And I want to see that for esports. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential because uh, quite a few of our lawyers are gamers and uh, I've already accumulated a small community, not a very big one, uh, but I think quite substantial. Um, and yeah, we're just waiting to see um, how this will play out. I don't think it's something that we can or should force. I think it should come naturally. Um, part of the challenge that we want to also address is the perception of esports, whether or not it can really be considered a sport. Uh, perhaps there are more traditional lawyers who may think otherwise. Lah. So it's up to us to to show how esports really can be a manifestation of the same thing. Um, we, share the, we share the same emotions. Uh, when we win or we lose, uh, we also support uh, our favorite teams. We have uh, binge sessions watching um, the games. So there are more similarities than differences between esports and sports. Yeah, funny you bring this up. Uh, I suppose uh, if I can throw you a question here. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, because we've had this discussion with uh, my uh, with Wei Jian. I've had this discussion with Wei Jian before in the past. So just want to know what you think. Um, uh, you spoke about esports and traditional sports, right? <clears throat> um, are you for or against uh, Olympics accepting esports? Why not? Oh, yeah, it's okay. So, okay. all right. So that's the answer. Uh, if okay, if if whether or not, or, or rather, the question should be um, whether or not esports should be part of Olympics. Sure, sure. I think if you look at the Olympics, right? Um, you see the first, the first Olympic Games. Uh, one might think that it's in 1896 in Athens, but that's really the first modern games, right? The, the ancient ones have been started from 700 plus BC. So right now we are about 2021. It's been a good two and a half, 2.8 millennia since the first iteration of the Olympic Games. Wow, you um, know your facts. <laughs> right? That's impressive. I mean, when you look at that, and then when you put that into perspective and context, and then... um. You want to include esports, which I think only started, uh, I think, sometime when video games uh, have, have been developed, right? Um, if you want to make it even more narrow or narrower, you can look at it at the start of the internet, which is right, in the 1990s. Um, so you can see that esports, the, the scene is at its infancy. We are fragmented. We still have a lot of regulation. Uh, and grassroots support to to develop. So um, if you ask me on principle whether or not it's all right for uh, the Olympics to include esports, I I would say why not. Um, I think if your question were to be should it be now, um, then I'm not so sure. I think we still have a long way to go, but it could be that um, you know uh, it's a it's a chicken and egg problem because. Uh, with the inclusion of esports uh, by the Olympics, then there'll be greater awareness and greater support, and then things can flow more naturally. Uh, so at this point, it, it's really anyone's guess, lah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose with the uh, right now, the Asian Games and the I think the Sea Games as well, right? 
they mm-hmm. accept esports as part of uh, um, the games. And also, I believe, um, was it Asian Games or Sea Games that uh, was considered a medal sports, a medal event? Uh, one mm-hmm. of it, I can't remember. Yeah. So, so I suppose it's a slow but surely adoption of these traditional or uh, these traditional um, events to mm. to to start um, adapting to the times as well, maybe. Mm. Yeah, but but that's an interesting take and and certainly something I agree on as well. Uh, so I also noticed that you recently attended an event, right? Uh, Nexus, your place. Yes. Your playground, is that correct? Yeah, your playground correct. fireside chat 2021. Um, I I'm seeing a lot of panel, so <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, I'm not so sure if anyone got an opportunity to speak uh, substantially, but I see a lot of people right here. Um, I, I suppose the notable ones I see is uh, Kelly Ong, co-owner of the Alliance. Uh, so maybe you can share with us what this event is about, um, what's sure, the man. purpose of this event. Sure. So Nexus, your Playground Fireside Chat, is really part of a six-month uh, initiative, uh, I think by your Somerset, by, by Somerset Belt, um, MCCY, and a few other organizations um, to help train and develop youths for the esports industry. Um, and this includes training them in terms of uh, how to create a production, um, how to conduct other production activities such as um, shoutcasting, uh, streaming, um, also learning how to gain sponsorship um, from companies. Uh, so it was a very holistic um, course, which spanned, I think, about six months and was broken up into three segments. La. So the fireside chat was really at the at the final segment, uh, which ended off uh, and co- also coincided with a Wild Rift tournament, which I understand uh, the youths had also helped to produce. Um, so really what what my, my participation in it is really um, negligible compared to the amount of hard work that the participants and the organizers have really put in. La. Um, so it, you, you can ask me more about the fireside chat, uh, which is what I'm more familiar with. La. Um, the number of panelists were quite large, yeah, uh, but it was also broken into two. So there were two sessions. Uh, I attended the second one. I think it was with Kelly Haoming, um, I think Janice, uh, Minister of State, Elvin Tan, and um, yeah, I think Kin To as well from Even Midas. Um, each of them brought to the table their own perspectives and experience in their various industries. I came in from the perspective of having one foot in esports and the other in the legal industry. Yep. So I, I thought it was an excellent opportunity to share to the youths um, what the future entails in terms of esports and the law. So uh, it's uh, it looks like uh, one of your... Is he, is he a politician, Alvin Tan? He's a minister of state. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it does appear that Singapore is, uh, at least the government, uh, appears to show some support for esports and gaming development in Singapore. How's uh, the progress been? I mean, I mean that that's. Oh, sorry. What's what's your question again? Sorry. Like okay, so so the 
Singapore government appears to be um, sort of uh, supportive or or they, they send representatives to come and represent them in these sort of events. Uh, mm. Does it look like at least in the grassroots, in, at least in grassroots or in the national level that that the government appears to be supportive of this esports and game naming uh, community the initiatives and all these things? Yeah, yeah, I think I think you can you can say that uh, if you watched if you had watched the fireside chat, I think you can understand ministers' uh, um, perspectives on this lah. Um, I I don't think he is in principle um, against esports. In, th- in fact, I think he's quite supportive of it. Mm. What so, so so what do you think like uh, in terms of the potential uh, between Malaysia and Singapore? Uh, are you able to take a guess or who who has the lead in the esports development? <laughs> it's not a competition, <laughs> la. I, I would say this, Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I would uh, I would go further actually. I think we should look at it and see in terms of region, um, in particular Southeast Asia. Um, what's the development of Southeast Asia uh, and the esports scene as compared to the rest of the world? Uh, and I would say that we have quite a lot of work to do. Uh, I think that we suffer from a bit of fragmentation um, in terms of um, the the tournaments, in terms of the grassroots support. Uh, and of course, we also have one of the most diverse languages spoken in the region. Line, so that does not help us. Well. Uh, we need to be able to overcome this so that we can promote esports as a region. Uh, and when we do that, then I think we can see that everyone grows equally, whether it be uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. Funny you speak about. Funny you mentioned uh, fragmentation. Uh, just our last session was with Samson. Uh, or um, so he's also a some sort of esports entrepreneur in Singapore. Oh, uh, nice. And he's made some investments as well in the gaming space. Um, so he did mention this as well that um, that there is some sort of uh, division uh, in the sea region because every single country they have their own language, they have their own community. So it's a bit hard to um, bring people together in a, in in some form of a uniform manner to, sure. to drive up the region's uh, esports development. So that is the soft struggle and and. Um, um, difficulty uh, that he mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, do you do you share the same sentiment with him? And and if so, like so, how how do we overcome this in terms of um, us as a region to compete against uh, countries like uh, China uh, and and Europe and the Europe American scene? I think they are fairly developed as compared to the C region. Yeah, uh, agree with that. I would say that there are fra- there's fragmentation, um, and I, I would go further to say that even within each country, um, I would dare say that there is fragmentation even within the grassroots lah. So um, it's it it all builds up, right? The foundation has to be strong in order for the apex to be strong as well. Um, and if your grassroots is not strong to begin with, then a top-down approach will not work as well. Um, therefore. The fragmentation must be solved even at the grassroots level. Is there, for example, a body to say that okay, this is this is uh, how the grassroots scene will be like? There will be no clashes, and as much as possible, um, you develop your youths 
for both the players, but also in terms of uh, other jobs such as shoutcasters, producers. Um, is there is there such a is there such a initiative to do that for each of the country? Then okay, if the answer is no, then you you look next. Um, what else can be done, right? Can you perhaps uh, incentivize them to do so? Can you um, regulate? Um, and another question then is, uh, is regulation even possible or even advisable? Of course, these are difficult questions, which I admittedly don't have the answers to. But I think they, they have to be discussed and be thought of in a roundtable, um, preferably with as many stakeholders as possible. Only with this kind of uh, discussions can we really move forward. And then when we've solved the issue for one country, and then we can go on to talk about a multi-country approach where we come together and then we decide on a body to regulate all of this uh, on an inter-country level. But these things take time. Um, I I don't know if you watch football. Um, football, yeah, you, you do? I do, I do. And uh, <laughs> uh, may, I take a, may I take a guess of who you support? You want to take? You want to guess, right? You're guessing, yeah, I right? Guess. Okay, yes, go I for it. I want to guess. Okay, um, by the tone of your voice, mm. do you, uh, can I guess? Mu. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm Liverpool? so sorry. Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. Ah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that hurt. I'm uh. sorry, man. I have a Scouse accent. Can't you hear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, but I suppose you can tell from my voice that uh. <laughs> I'm uh, disappointed. Uh, menu. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm sorry to hear that, man. We all have days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go ahead with your football analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I wanted to say that football has been around since what, 1800s, right? Um, but I, I have some dates here which I prepared. FIFA established only in 1904. Then the AFC, which is the Asian Football Confederation, 1954. Um, you look further down in terms of sports in general, you have the Court of Arbitration for Sport, uh, for any disputes. Uh, that was only in 1984, right? Um, and then the Anti-Doping Agency um, that was developed in 1999. So there is a very long runway ahead of us. Um, I think part of the part part of the part of the reason why we are having this conversation is because we get to immediately compare. Uh, we get to compare uh, esports with other sports and we wonder why don't we see the most obvious things before us, which is the structure and the really big things. But perhaps the most important things may not be the most visible. It may in fact be the hidden forces in the grassroots that will really build up the community and then the structure will follow. Yeah, so that's my perspective. Well, yeah, I think uh, if you compare um, sports uh, football and esports, which I do also uh, very often actually, because I'm also an avid football fan, and I've been following football um, way longer than esports, lah. Honestly, and sure. so so I see a very um, obvious um, sort of uh, differential factor. Mm. Um, until we address that, we are unable to, I suppose, um, um, progress as as best as the uh, football. So the one factor, differentiating factor, is that there is a uniform body that can regulate football, right? Mm. Um, at least in esports, 
I at least in the foreseeable future, I don't see how it's going to happen. So mm. companies like Valve and Riot, they're not unlike they're very unlikely to come together and give up their IP to mm. allow a regulatory body to monitor or or regulate their games and tournaments, right? So that is a very huge um, sort of um, um, elephant in the room, lah, or something, or the problem, lah, right? That, mm, that mm. I see in esports, and that's why it's a bit difficult to have some sort of like FIFA structure in esports. Mm. Which, um, so that's that's the problem I see uh, in terms of um, de- developing developing the games in a uniform manner because each tournament, oh sorry, not each publisher, they have their own methods, right? Valve yeah. is very hands off. Valve yeah. allows uh, tournament organizers to to play uh, to organize. Uh, Riot is very uh, Riot Games is very hands on, and and Nintendo uh, doesn't even want to let other people organize their games, <laughs> nor do they even want to organize themselves. So mm. they have their own strategies, right? So that is the absolute um, uh, pothole that I see. Yeah, yeah. I think there will come a time when either of these strategies will 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 win will outdo each other, lah. Uh, whether or not it's Valve's uh, hands-off approach, you know, uh, do whatever CSGO or um, Dota tournament you want, so long as I get my major and my TI. Mm-hmm. Or you can go the Wild, Wild Rift uh, tournament approach by Riots where, okay, I shall regulate every single thing that you do. You cannot do any anything without my permission. Um, eventually, they will, one will have to favor over the other. And then we'll see uh, which one wins. Um at this point, I'm really not sure which is better, whether or not an organic growth uh, or regulated top-down growth is uh, preferable. Yeah, yeah, me too. Actually, um, speaking of speaking of this, um, in our show we also talk about um, latest uh, news line, current news. Yeah. So perhaps there's something that we can talk about as well as a nice transition. Uh, so I came across this um, sort of like interview article. Um, and they were interviewing John Needham, the president of esports at Riot Games. So he was just elevated to become the president, and mm. Riot Games just recently created the esports as its own division. That's what mm. I understood from the article. Previously, there was no um, esports division. It was the anything related to esports they are under a publishing group mm. and uh, one one particular comment that John uh, mentioned was that the esports tournament they operate at a loss but it serves as a valuable retention tool for active players so mm. um, in other words it's a marketing expense la, for mm-hmm. them to organize esports tournaments um, I think compared with Valve uh, I'm Okay, I don't have the data, and Valve is very secretive of their PNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they make, but they make millions and hundreds of millions of um, battle pass um, pl- uh, players purchasing the skins, yeah, skins, yeah, game items, and all these passes, right, to yeah. drive up the the tournament uh, price pool, mm. right. And I'm not sure if they operate at uh, if this when they organize TI whether they would they would lose money. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Riot Games came out to say that it's it's a loss for them. It's a loss-making uh, venture for them, but they're still doing it. 
because mm-hmm. it's very valuable for um, um, bringing in new people and also um, it also retain uh, current existing players. So, mm. uh, so in 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 this sense, do you are you, are you do you do you agree with like um, this Riot Games move in that um, should esports tournament actually operate at a loss for the greater good of like <laughs> uh, retention? It doesn't make sense to me like in terms of the in terms of the uh, business model. I, so should I, should they have should they have taken the Valve approach? I so to answer your question, um, I would say that it is a commercial decision that is really dependent on each of the companies or the developers' business model. Um, Valve already has a very strong ecosystem of players, um, you know, with Steam, uh, and there are two established game titles: CS:GO, Dota. Um, they are not in short of players, even with the COVID and even with the introduction of Valorant, their CSGO is still quite strong. Um, and so I don't think that they need to have tournaments as a marketing tool, as does Riot. Um, and so they've taken the approach that, okay, we shall not uh, have to focus so much on the tournaments as a marketing tool, and they can just focus on their revenue-making um, models, lah, which is in-game purchases, um, investments into the ecosystem. And uh, I think now they're moving into virtual reality. Um, and so they've decided that that's the best way forward for them. Not so much for Riot Games, which I understand. Uh, they are not so um, in, in such a strong position as Valve. So really, it is a commercial decision at this point. Lah. I think perhaps the, the further question that you can ask is, um, which way is the best way forward in order for esports to grow? Is it to regulate or is it to unregulate uh, in a hands-off manner? Um, we, do I, have, I don't know. Do you have a position there? I, I can see, I see it as a Windows versus Apple approach, you see. Um, you look at Apple, they control every single thing from the song that you purchase on their Apple Music um, to the apps that you download um, and to the experience that you get from each Mac, whether it's a MacBook or it's a, it's an Apple iPhone. Um, deregulate every single thing so that your experience is the same. Um, are they losing out on market share because of this? Yeah, possibly. Uh, but they ensure that the quality is there. Uh, I suppose you have Android and Windows whereby you already have such a strong market position um, and you have already created this product and you want to maximize your market you let anyone create um, their own products and you just have to install the software, lah, which is what Android and Windows are doing. Um, what happens is that you are unable to control the quality as much. So you see that there's the analogy with Valve and Riot. Lah. Um, who wins? Most would say that the consumer wins lah, because they get to choose, right? Uh, and ultimately, a phone is a phone. Lah. Um, but you know, for us gamers, we, we, you either play Valorant or you play CS:GO. You you don't you don't switch so easily because the mechanisms, the mechanics are different. Um, you need to learn new maps and all that. Um, so there's a bit of brand loyalty there, lah. Um, so you will see these two camps being consolidated, and slowly they will um, there will come a point whereby they will have to decide, lah. Okay. Um, We've really reached the max. What's the way forward in order to really spread and, and to move esports forward? 
then one of the other two will win. Lah. Whether or not it's a close hands-on approach or an open hands-off approach. Yeah, that's my perspective. Dude, dude that's such a good analogy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is, that is so spot on, dude. Uh, yeah, so so I suppose uh, we just have to uh, wait and see. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I suppose consumer wins, lah, right? Because they um, just um, continue being competitive. Thank you.